Ephesians chapter 6, and I will remind you of, our, of the context of our passage as you turn. It is that we are in the middle of a war against enemies who are much stronger than we are. It is a spiritual war against Satan and his servants. That said, though our enemies are much stronger than we are in and of ourselves, we have not been left to face our enemies in and of ourselves because we are in Christ. We know because Jesus tells us that he has been given all power and authority in heaven and on earth, including power and authority over Satan and demons. And as it says in Hebrews 2, all things are under his feet, even if we do not yet see all things under his feet. Uh, And we are in Christ, therefore we have access to everything that we could ever need in order to fight the war faithfully and, and to stand firm in Christ to the end. In the end, Jesus wins, and we will triumph over our enemies in him. That said, right now it is time to fight. God has not left us to our own strength, but we must constantly be taking up the means of God's strength that he has given to us for the fight. So in terms of the means of God's strength, we've talked about the word, uh, the belt of truth, the sword of the spirit. We've talked about faith, the shield of faith, the breastplate of righteousness, which is God's righteousness given to us in the gospel. We've talked about the readiness that we've been equipped with to go and share the gospel with others. And right now we're talking about prayer. Uh, The big idea from last week is that prayer is warfare. Prayer is essential to withstanding our enemies and standing firm to the end in Christ, not only for us, but for all of God's people. And we've also moved on to some of the how-to. Our passage has a number of instructions on building up a strong prayer life. So we'll work through the rest of verse 18 today in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 18, which reads, Praying at all times in the Spirit with all prayer and supplication. To that end, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints. Amen. So uh, last week we talked about the first part of this, praying at all times and praying in the Spirit. In, uh, in terms of praying at all times, does anybody remember anything we talked about? I know y'all get nervous when I do that, but um, just to see if anyone... We talked about having like set aside structured times and then more organic kind of prayer. Very good. That's right. Uh, Okay, so, you know, that's praying at all times, specific times of prayer, and then an ongoing life of prayer at all times. Uh, What about praying in the Spirit? I gave you four things that 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 could mean. I'm sure it could mean more than that, but four things. Anybody remember one of them? You going to make Stephanie do it again? (laughs) Did you take notes? Don't make me get on my notes. Okay. Well, um, there you go. Praying in accordance with God's word. Praying beyond our own strength, right? We tend to, whenever we just get tired in prayer, we kind of say that's time to stop. But really entrusting ourselves to the Lord as we pray to him uh, for his strength so that we can pray beyond our own strength. Praying when the Lord brings it to mind, so never resisting an urge to pray. The Holy Spirit lives inside of us. Satan's never going to encourage us to pray. 
Our flesh isn't going to encourage us to pray. I don't know if it's the Spirit every time, but it's a good bet that it is. So if we have the slightest urge to pray, don't resist it. Just pray. And then mindful that when we don't know what to pray, um, the Spirit is praying for us. And the Spirit knows our hearts. The Spirit knows the burdens that are on our hearts, knows how to articulate those burdens, and prays always according to the will of God. So Romans 8 talks about that. Praying at all times, praying in the Spirit. Now let's move on and talk about praying with all prayer and supplication, which really just means praying with all kinds of prayer. Okay? There are various types of prayer, and we're being instructed to pray all sorts of them. Uh, I don't know how many types there are, but I'll mention five different kinds. Many are familiar with the uh, Acts. What's that called? An acronym? Uh, Adoration. Confession. Thanksgiving. And supplication. I would add to that Lament, so that we can have lax. Um, but, you know, I, those adoration, confession, thanksgiving, supplication is a good grid to keep in mind. I add lament because I think it is far underappreciated in our world, and uh, we'll talk more about that. Um, so, this is how a lot of people learn to pray, right? Pray some prayers of adoration. Uh, praising God, adoring God, prayers of confession, thanksgiving, supplication, or asking for things. And these are good. Again, I would add the L. Although, uh, if we have lament first, people might think we're grumpy. Nonetheless, I think we need it. And uh, lament needs to make the list. All right, let's start with adoration. And again, think about ascribing honor and glory to God, ascribing worth to God, praising God, making much of God, adoring God. The highest purpose of our existence is to glorify God. And there are many ways that God is glorified. God doesn't need our praises to be glorified. Um, God is glorified in the beauty and the complexity of his creation. He created it. And, uh, you know, the, the sky above uh, proclaims his handiwork. You know, there's just a, a, you can know God and his glory in the things that he has made. Uh, God is glorified when a mother nurtures her infant child. God is glorified when someone eats their meal with a thankful heart. God is glorified when a man makes a sacrificial decision for his wife and family. When a single person is content in their singleness or when a married person is content in the person that God has assigned them to be married to. God is glorified when we tell someone about Jesus or when we endure suffering, trusting him through the trials that he has ordained for us to go through. God is glorified when we give thanks, when we confess, when we lament Um, He's glorified in many ways, yet we should still seek to glorify God with our praises, to adore Him. And we should make much of God to His face, is kind of the way that I thought about that. I have a sheet here, and I have a few of them. If I'm going to mention it a couple times, if you would like one. 
later. You're welcome to it. Uh, it comes from Bob Wood. Bob had this at our men's breakfast last week. And this is the way that he starts every day in thanksgiving and praise. Um, so the praise, kind of the adoration. But um, he really has in view the attributes of God. He's, he's praising God for his holiness and his righteousness, his justice, for his perfect knowledge and understanding of everything, his sovereignty, his wisdom, his eternality, his wrath, his patience, his steadfast, perfect love. He's praising God for creation, for his faithfulness, for his goodness. But, you know, um, for the purpose of just praising God to his face, but also the benefit of this is what it does to our own soul as it reminds us of these things of who our God is, right? So Bob has been doing this. He's 90 years old, and he's been doing this, I think, about every day since he was about 40. Um, So you do that for 50 years, and you get someone kind of like Bob Wood. Um, Just, again, seeking to make much of God for his glory, but the benefit for us is these truths of who God is really buttress our soul and and strengthen and grow us Um, i'm thinking about romans 1 and the seriousness of not honoring god you can turn there if you like we know it's a familiar passage it's talking about uh, the wrath of god revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men it says that mankind can know god through the things that he has made right uh because his invisible attributes, namely his eternal power and divine nature, have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world in the things that have been made. So God reveals himself, something of himself, in what he has made. And it says there, without excuse, this means everyone, uh, those who do not uh, worship God, because it says, although they knew God, they did not honor him as God or give thanks to him, but became futile in their thinking. Their foolish hearts were darkened. Claiming to be wise, they became fools. And then it says, Therefore God gave them up in the lust of their hearts to impurity, to the dishonoring of their bodies. It goes on to talk about uh, sexual sin, homosexual sin, um, you know, and all sorts of other sin that are rampant in this world of ours. But the thing that has struck me over and over again about that is all of those, the rampant sexual immorality, and uh, all of the, those are all kind of downstream sins. Those are fruit sins of the root sins, which are not honoring God as God and not thanking Him as such. That is the, at the heart of a life of godlessness, is a refusal to bow the knee in honoring God and worshiping God and thanking God. Um, so we see the seriousness of not doing so. We also, as we move on to thanksgiving, it says they did not honor God as God or give thanks to Him. And so we see the same in conjunction with thanksgiving, that it is a very serious sin not to thank God. And certainly for the unbeliever, it is his refusal to do so that ultimately condemns him to God's eternal punishment, but also launches him into all type of rebellion and other, as I said, fruit sins. 
But for the Christian as well, we need to think about the very serious sin of grumbling and complaining against God rather than giving Him thanks in all things. Uh, This is one of our pet sins in the church. It's one of our, as my pastor Jean LaRue used to say, it's one of our housebroken sins. We let it live inside. We may have bowed the knee before, but we go on living with ingratitude, with grumbling and complaining. And the Lord does not take this lightly. I mean, you read the account of the Israelites in the wilderness and see how seriously he deals with them for their grumbling and complaining against him. It is, he does not take it lightly, and neither should we. I think about it, maybe I've told you this story before, but uh, it came to mind as I was thinking about how serious a life of ingratitude is, a refusal to thank God um, in all things. You know, it, we're told to thank God in every circumstance. And it's like uh, this woman who was living with her pet snake, and it was like a six-foot snake, I think a boa constrictor or some kind of snake that can do damage. And she would sleep with it. Uh, she just loved this little snake. It was a big snake, actually, as big as she was. And it would curl up next to her on the bed and just the sweetest thing, and they would go night-night together. And, uh, you know, so she goes to the vet one day, and the vet is asking, so has there been any peculiar behavior or anything? And she's, no, just sweet as ever. Well, there is this one thing. You know, uh, used to the snake used to sleep just all curled up next to me and now it's just sleeping closer to me and and stretched out uh is this strange and the or or she said something like it's no big deal you know no big deal but it is weird she's changed her sleeping pattern and uh the vet was like yeah that's to size you up to eat you that's why the snake does that so it lays next to you to make sure that it's big enough that you can fit inside of its body so it's getting ready to eat you uh it's getting hungry And I've always thought about that because we have these little pet sins that we like to keep around the house and they're domesticated and housebroken and we just let them live inside and and they're fine. We might even let them go to bed with us. Um, But sin is treachery and it will destroy you. And so any housebroken sin that you let just hang around, it will eventually stretch itself out next to you in order to devour you. Um, This is how we ought to think about grumbling and complaining. Uh, Thanklessness is high wickedness against God. Again, we're called to give thanks in all circumstances. We're not always going to feel thankful, but we can always give thanks. Giving thanks is an action, not a feeling. Uh, The feelings of thankfulness come and go. But I do think that the discipline of giving thanks in all circumstances will prime our hearts to actually feel thankful more often. You know, back to Bob's sheet, uh, I mentioned the praise, and then the page of thanksgiving is even longer. Just wonderful stuff for choosing me, for redeeming me. Jesus, for subjecting yourself to the rejection, humiliation, torture, beating, spitting, the wrath of God, the, the, you know, all the things, Father, for adopting me. Thank you for the forgiveness of sins. Thank you for your word, the absolute truth. Thank you for the invitation to come boldly into your throne room. And on and on it goes. <clears throat> he gets into more uh, material things and, and family things and things like that. But this is the way he starts every day. 
long you know, time of praise and thanksgiving. And I would just say that Bob Wood is the most, if not the most, he's one of the most glad-hearted human beings that I've ever known. And that does not just come naturally at 90. I know other 90-year-olds who I would not describe as glad-hearted at all. Right? They can be quite miserable, actually. So I would submit that the 50-year discipline of daily waking to praise and thank God, which is not always what we feel, but that has overflowed into truly feeling gratitude to God. Bob, it just flows out of him. You can't talk to him. You can't hear him pray. You can't be around him without... He's just got a joyful countenance overflowing with gratitude to God. And I think that he has cultivated that in his discipline of giving thanks. Um, you know, and even if you're coming from a really dark place, I mean, we've prayed for things this morning that are horrible. And... Uh, whether or not it's because of something like that, but we get into dark places in our minds, in our hearts, with depression and, and all sorts of, you know, just tending toward despair because the darkness presses in and we don't know how to shake it. But I read a, uh, a really good article this week, and it was from Desiring God. Um, it was called Depressed and Thankful. And so this woman who wrote it, has battled some serious depression in her life and and talks about um, giving in to despair. She talks about uh, Nancy DeMoss Wolgamuth, who wrote a book called Choosing Gratitude. And again, that talks about thankfulness as an action. And one of the things it did for her was expose her sin in her thanklessness. But it also helped her when that darkness comes upon her, how do you navigate that? What do I do from there? And she talks about, she gives six recommendations. uh, Filling your mind with the truths of God's Word. Meditating on verses regarding thankfulness. You know, there are a number of them. She mentions Colossians 3. Remembering God's goodness and faithfulness to you. Um, Asking God to put a guard over your mouth. So instead of venting frustrations all the time, looking for reasons to rejoice, to thank Him. Uh, aiming to make gratefulness your knee-jerk reaction to your circumstances, putting your thankfulness into words, looking for specific evidences of God's grace. And she says that, you know, this, this discipline, and at times it feels like drudgery, training, and yet it has cultivated in her a real and profound gratitude to God that has led her out of these dark times in her life. So uh, that's a great article and and another illustration of um, the goodness of giving thanks in all circumstances. All right, adoration and thanksgiving. The next type of prayer we will talk about is confession. And let me just start by saying that uh, confession and its very good friend repentance are very positive things. You know, I think we tend to think about them with a negative connotation but they are actually the evidence of God's grace being worked out in someone's life. Uh, it's not a negative thing. The healthiest Christians confess their sins and repent of their sins the most. You know, confessing sin to God and confessing sin to those that have been sinned against as well. 
It is only someone who is secure in the grace of God who can continue in the very humiliating path of ongoing confession of sin. And yet, even if we're not yet secure in the grace of God, the way that we grow more and more secure is by ongoing confession. Um, because, you know, the more that we humble ourselves before him and, and entrust ourselves to him in our sin, the more we're reminded of his grace and his mercy and the forgiveness of our sins. So confession is, uh, not only is it evidence of security in the grace of God, but it's a way to seek security in the grace of God. You know, some may come to church all the time, but never have truly confessed your sin to God, confessed your trust in Jesus for the forgiveness of your sins, and, and turned your life, submitted your life to his sovereign lordship and care. And if not, um, th- that person is not yet a Christian. And yet, you know, God's grace is sufficient still. And uh, if someone in here is in that position, then you shouldn't go to bed tonight until you believe that Jesus died for your sins and have surrendered his li- your life to his lordship. And some who are Christians who have confessed sin once upon a time and uh, maybe a moment or two of good confession in your life, being honest and open about who you are in your sin, and that's good, but we should always keep going. I'm not saying there aren't others. There are others who make a practice of confession. And, um, but just the point is, Confession ought to be a hallmark of our lifestyle. All of the Christian life is to be lived in repentance. That was point number one on Martin Luther's 95 Theses in the Protestant Reformation. Um, You know, not that repentance was a one-off thing, but but an all-of-life thing. And you, you don't necessarily automatically have repentance if you confess, but you certainly don't have repentance without confession. So we must be always confessing our sin. How often? Simply as often as we're aware of it. As often as our sin is is made known to us, grab hold of it and confess it to God. You know, we should also confess our sin to other trusted believers and certainly to those that we have sinned against, which for those of you who have other people living with you in your home, uh, probably going to have more opportunity there than anywhere, just the people you brush up against the most, um, the people you're going to sin against the most. You know, I think we tend to think about it's safer to keep it to ourselves. It seems scary to bring all of this out. And it may not be all of this, um, just something, whatever pet sin it is, gossip, thanklessness, uh, you know, or the things we tend to think about as the big ones, but we've just said. Not honoring God and thanking God is a root sin. It's a profound sin. It's a huge sin that leads to all kinds of other sins. But it's not safer to keep our sin to ourselves. Uh, That's just keeping the snake in bed with you. It's only a matter of time before it devours you. So how somewhere in the scriptures it says, how long can someone hold fire close to the chest and not be burned? Not very long. And so we keep our sin around. We don't offload it uh, to God in confession. And it's out to get us. So... Practical recommendation, whether past sin, those are some that come into my mind quite frequently, especially when I wake up. I don't know why, but I just, there are particular times, maybe timing's different for you. 
but past sins that you're haunted by. But whether it's a past sin or present sin that comes to mind, literally every time it comes to mind, I'm thinking about every thought captive for obedience to Christ, but just take it captive, confess it, call it what God calls it, and confess it as sin, confess it as uh, the treason that it is against Him and, and the high rebellion that it is against Him, but then it's an opportunity to confess our trust in Christ, our trust in His sufficiency, that we do believe that you paid for this sin too. You paid for all of them. And again, it's just an important all day, every day, as often as your sin comes to mind, uh, it's just a very important way of walking on the path of life. That doesn't have to take very long, a few seconds. But, and, and thankfully, He's not bringing to mind our sin every second of every day. But there are those moments where God is going to convict us and bring our sin to mind. And um, let us confess our sin. I, I think it's helpful, as I mentioned last week, to have good examples or mentors in this regard. And I, again, male or female, I commend Rosaria Butterfield to you, who I just think she understands confession and repentance in ways that not many of us do. And so I think she would be a good teacher um, in that regard. And if you're not there, I mean, no one would ever say this out loud in church, but if you're not to the place of you've never confessed your sin and, you know, I don't need to confess my sin or whatever it is, I would just ask what that says about what you think about sin. Um, Do you think that it's safe? Or what does it say about your prideful heart? Or what does it say about your belief in God? Do you believe the gospel? Uh, You can't functionally believe it without appropriating it by confessing sin and laying hold of Christ again and again. So if you don't know where to start in confessing sin, a lot of times our sins are ever before us and we just have all this sin and we don't know where to start. And that's okay. Uh, If your car is a disaster and you're setting out to clean it, it's helpful just to start somewhere instead of standing there overwhelmed at the fact that it's a disaster. The disaster can always get a little bit worse, right? And so we just start wherever we can start. Uh, taking hold of the first thing that comes to mind in confessing our sin. All right. Confession of sin is a hallmark of the Christian life. Supplication is the next type of prayer. Asking, whether for others, for ourselves. Uh, I was thinking about, you know, whether for spiritual needs or physical needs. I think the physical needs tend to take precedent on our prayer list. And it's not that physical needs are unimportant, But you would think that spiritual needs are unimportant if we were just to lay out our prayer lists, the prayers that we've prayed in the last week or whatever it is. Um, You know, we we often give lots of prayer requests for illness or injury or whatever it is, and we should. We should not stop that. God cares about those things, and we ought to entrust those things to Him. But just a diagnostic question, you know, when's the last time you heard someone ask for prayer because their heart has been cold to God? Or... Uh, prayer because I'm feeling particularly susceptible to this sin that creeps its head back in. It's not to, you know, shame. It's just to say we ought to think about it both ways. And those are perfectly good uh, prayer requests. You know, my heart has been cold to God over the last week, and I'm not sure why, and I don't know 
much about this uh, fickle heart of mine, but I would ask that it would not remain that way. Because I know enough to know if it stays there, that's bad. Uh, Those are good prayers to share. All right. One of the things I think becomes clear at this point, we're talking about, you know, building out a better prayer life. And I don't see how we can mature in a prayer life without some structure. Uh, Some people have lists like Bob. He's written out lists of categories and things like that. Some, if you've ever read A Praying Life by Paul Miller, he talks about note cards. And he's kind of got those categories on note cards and he fills it in as things arise. And uh, it really doesn't matter. I mean, there's no tried and true method, whatever your method, whatever works for you. But I think we need some kind of structure uh, to ensure that we're not just praying about the most, the things that are pressing on our minds the most, right? There are those things that are kind of looming large and we might tend to only pray about those things. Um, Maybe categories each day like these. Uh, Maybe you think more about, I've found it helpful to have particular days where you're praying for different things, like maybe a personal, family, uh, church family day, or work, co-workers, lost friends and family, uh, sick, afflicted, battling sin. You know, people, just categories like that that you can put people on. Mission, whether locally or nationally or globally, things that you know people are trying to do in service to the Lord, whether in church or whatever other things. But our text says prayers for all the saints too, right? So, I mean, this is praying for people everywhere. Um, obviously, we're not going to get them all. I don't know them all. But it would be that would include praying for Christians and churches in our own area, other needs that we're made aware of elsewhere, mission efforts that you're aware of. Uh, you often bring, Brandon, the, the needs of Turkey and that sort of thing. That's a great thing. And just having those kinds of categories. Um, again, we're not going to cover everything in our own little lives, but I think God uniquely burdens all of His people all over the world to cover everything, right? So we can just pay attention to some of these general categories some of the general burdens that he's put on our own heart, and just continue going to him in prayer. The thing that I would say, again, is that prayer takes effort. It's hard. It takes planning. It takes organizing. Uh, You know, Bob probably didn't think of all these things in, in a matter of seconds. I mean, he probably spent some time meditating on some of the things that he wanted to thank God for. Uh, But again, it does take effort, but we remember prayer is warfare. Warfare takes effort. Uh, Prayer is essential for our own personal growth in Christ and and essential for uh, the kingdom of God being established on earth as it is in heaven. So your prayers matter, and we should pray them. I'm running out of time before I get to uh, lament, which means I might have to wait. Does anybody have any thoughts at this point? I know you mentioned the evilness earlier, but talking about conditioning yourself to give thanks in all circumstances. You know, Kristen texted me Saturday morning when she passed away, but I was just thinking about Dana. Like She's had this huge following you know, on her blog and whatever. And I, in my mind, I was like, what is she going to say? You know, like now at this moment, what is she going to say? You know, and all she said was, 
Noah went to be with Jesus. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Wow. And I just was like, what a statement of this intense grief, but it is so clear that mm-hmm. she knows God, and she has been so overwhelmed by his love that even in this, you know, just immense tragedy, mm-hmm. those are the words that came out of her mouth. And I'm just like, how the Lord is using her mm-hmm. just to, you know, just, I can't even imagine the amount of people that are following their story, but I, I was just, as you were talking, I was like, what a beautiful picture of the overflow. And I'm, I'm positive it's because of the amount of people praying for them. Yeah, and, no doubt. And lifting them up and God holding, you know, them up. But I just, blessed be the name of the Lord. I just was like, what mm-hmm. a beautiful, so sweet and simple, but powerful. Yeah, powerful. That's very good. Thank you for sharing that. We will wait to talk about lament, but I mean, one of the things that I'm thinking as I'm writing these prayer requests down is that lament is appropriate and it's good. And it's a way that God has not only given us permission to pray, but he's instructed us to pray. Uh, Like one third of the Psalms are Psalms of lament, you know, lamenting and crying out to God, where are you and why is it like this? That's a good prayer. Um, the thing that I love about the laments is that they, nearly all of them end in, I trust you. <laughs> we will hope in the Lord. We will trust in the Lord. And so it's, we'll talk, we'll talk more about it. But, you know, that's why I think it needs to make the list. Elaine made the point last week about with Facebook and everything, we're more aware than ever of all of the tragedy that's going on. And so all the more the need to lament to, to cry out to God in uh, the darkness, in our confusion, uh, and yet do it in such a way where we proclaim our trust in him all the more. I, I'm very encouraged by that because uh, I'm sure she has had many cries of lament in the last few years, and yet from a place of great helplessness, she blesses the Lord and thanks the Lord. Um, all right, we're going to wait. We're running out of time. Anyone else have any other thoughts? I'll, I'll pick that up next week. You mentioned like from last week um, praying through the Word, but also I think sometimes praying with scripted prayers, mm-hmm. either writing down your own or something like Valley of Vision, praying through those mm-hmm. truths and prayers um, can be very helpful. Yeah, absolutely. You know, that's a good point because sometimes... I think in the name of wanting it to be organic and real and relational, we wouldn't tend to do that uh, because we think, I don't know, that feels scripted. But uh, in reality, you know, if, we're, if we have a letter that we're writing to somebody and there's, it's really, we care about it a lot, we're actually probably going to take more care to write out the things that are on our heart. So... I would just push back on that whole thought process of, oh, that's not real and relational. Yeah, I think it's very relational to invest your heart in something like that, to try to discern what's going on and communicate what's going on with written prayers. That's a good point. All right, let us pray. Father, what great encouragement it brings to see someone like Dana 
in her lowest moment. Um, hope in Christ and bless your name. So, Lord, we follow her lead and we confess ourselves sinners through and through. Even as we've been in this room, uh, we have been made aware of our sin. And yet we confess our trust in Christ, Lord Jesus, that you paid for all of our sins and that you paid for uh, even our death so that when we die, we will truly live. There is hope and life everlasting beyond the grave. We're thankful for that personally. We're thankful for that for Milla. We're thankful for that for the Giesemann family. Um, Thank you, Lord for your grace and mercy that is on display even now amidst such heartache. And Lord, when we look to your word, we see that our prayers matter. They're, they're significant. They're part of the way that you've designed uh, your kingdom to come and that you've designed your salvation to expand, that you've designed burdens to be lifted and cared for. And so, Lord, we ask that you would just give us more wisdom and more understanding, strengthen our faith, uh, to believe you at your word and to walk in the ways that you have recreated us for in Christ. Help us to um, pray all the kinds of prayers that you intend for us. And Lord, even uh, these prayers of lament, as we will talk more about next week, there is much to lament here that we see, and yet we we do hope in you, and we're thankful, Lord, um, for your grace. We pray that you would uh, strengthen the souls of your saints here in this room, in our church, and again, we're especially thinking of the Gieselman family, uh, their extended family, their church family. Please give special grace to them, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.